Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We have a special day. A lot of ways today, if you don't know, is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, so we're celebrating the remembrance of the Feast of Pentecost in the Bible. Two important things happened at the Feast of Pentecost, the giving of the, of the Word, uh, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, as well as the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And to celebrate this day, it wasn't just because of that day, but it just happens to be here uh, on this day. My good friend Lee Grady is going to be speaking with us today. He comes all the way from Georgia. This is his fifth time here at the Rhodes Church. So could you guys give him a big Rhodes welcome? Come on, Lee. Good morning, Rhodes family. The last time I was here, I stood at this pulpit and no one was in the seats. It was an empty room. It was really weird. And how many of you are glad we're back? Wow, I am so tired of isolation. And uh, I know you guys are because I can tell you're a little excited. Um, And I met Blake for the first time and I'm thinking maybe he needs a little more coffee. Could you get just a little more excited for us? How many of you appreciate Blake? Yeah. I think that kind of excitement is what Southern Illinois needs. More joy, right? Are y'all glad to be in the house of the Lord? Are you excited to be here on Pentecost Sunday? And I want to give a great big shout out to all my friends out in Mount Carmel at the Mount Carmel campus, Pastor uh, Kevin and Amy. I'm sorry that I can't actually go out there. I haven't been in any of their services, but I'm so excited that the Lord is multiplying you. Amen. So I want to thank you, first of all, for, uh, for being truly a family for me because since I started coming to the Rhodes Church and I got to know uh, Pastor Chad and, and Don and his family and all of you, uh, you guys adopted me as one of your missionaries. So uh, the, the Rhodes Church has been uh, giving to our ministry, the Mordecai Project, And we're bringing the healing of Jesus to women and girls who are abused all over the world. And even in the pandemic time, the Lord has done amazing things. And we've extended our work into Pakistan during the pandemic. And so many things. We're about to cut the ribbon on our women's shelter in Guatemala. And so I just want you to know that I have a table in the back. And there's some little newsletters if some of you want to take those. Just so you can kind of know how you're indirect giving through the Rose Church has been blessing uh, many, many people around the world. And also my books are out there, but I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about that. So this morning, we are going to be talking about what it means to be clothed with power. So if you want to just look at somebody next to you and say, you need to be clothed with power, go ahead and say that. 
There is a very powerful verse that I want to draw our attention to this morning. This verse means a lot to me personally. It's in the book of Luke 24, verse 49. That's where I got the theme of this, of this sermon this morning. And it says, this is Jesus' words right before he's going to be leaving his disciples. Okay, so these are sort of some of his very last words. So how many of you think we need to maybe pay lots of attention to those words? He said, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until, everybody say until, until. you are clothed with power from on high. Now, when Jesus said these words to his disciples, I can imagine they're just looking at him and a little clueless and the words are just going way over their head because they really don't know exactly what he's talking about. But he's saying, hey, I don't want, I know you're excited. I know, you know, you got some of this Blake thing going here. And, <laughs> but you, you don't need to go yet. You need to wait because I've got something else on the calendar for you. I've got something I need to add to you. I've got something important that I need to give to you. And you will not be effective if you go out without it. Now, they had no idea what that was. No clue what he's talking about. Clothes with power. Are they waiting for some new outfits? What does that mean? But Jesus was making reference to something in the Old Testament, I believe. And I, I believe that he was referring back to the story of Elijah and Elisha. And I have a picture of that moment that we all have read about in, in uh, the book of 2 Kings where... Elisha knew that his mentor was going to be leaving this earth. It was time for him to go. And he was chasing his mentor around. You remember Elijah was like, well, I got to go here and I got to go there and I got to go visit my school of prophets here. And it was almost like he's kind of, you know, playing hard to get. And Elisha's like, I'm going with you wherever you're going because he knew he needed to be where his mentor was. And so the moment came when it was time. And, and even the other prophets, were the, the sons of the prophets, were saying to Elisha, you know, your master's going to be taken. And so he wanted to be right there. How many of you want to be on the front seat where Jesus is working and moving? You know, he was not some casual inquirer. He was right there. And so in that moment when all of a sudden these fiery chariots are coming from, from heaven, these horses, flames of fire from heaven, what does that make you think of? These flames of fire are coming down in this fiery chariot and it's time for Elijah to go up into heaven. He's not even going to die. He just gets to go straight up. And Elisha's there, and Elijah says, what do you want from me? And Elisha says, I, he's like, I'm going to ask something big. 
He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah says, well, that's kind of hard. You've asked a hard thing, but he's going to do it. So when the fiery chariots come and take Elijah up, there's Elisha right there. And right from from the fiery chariot, that mantle of the prophet comes and it comes upon Elisha and he receives a double portion of the spirit. And if you keep reading in 2 Kings, you will find out that Elisha actually performed twice as many miracles as Elijah. You know, Jesus had already told his disciples that it's better for me to go away, but because I go away, you're going to do more than I did. You're going to do greater things than I did. That's the sign of a true leader that he doesn't mind that his followers exceed him and surpass him. Wow. Now, when Jesus Christ tells his disciples, you need, to be, you need to wait until you are clothed with power, I think that's what he was referring to. And I think his disciples were probably remembering that too because they were, they were immersed in, in the Old Testament. They knew the stories. They've been hearing these stories all their lives. And they probably are thinking, hey, I'd like a double portion of Jesus' mantle. (laughs) Folks, you got to understand this. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was the New Testament version of Elijah and Elisha. Because in the New Testament version, Jesus Christ is about to ascend into heaven and he's going to go sit at the right hand of the father as king of kings and lord of lords but he's not going to just sit there and look down on us he's going to throw his mantle on his church and he's not just going to give us a little bit of it he's going to give us twice as much and so I came all the way from Georgia to tell you today that there is more. There is double. There is an outpouring. There is a grace. There is a fullness of the Spirit of God. Jesus didn't leave us here to just figure it out on our own and to come up with ways to do ministry with head knowledge and programs and technology We don't have to rely on that and we're not supposed to be relying on that. He says, wait until you have the power. And this is the problem, folks, in the church today. In the American church, we have figured it out. In the American church, we have written libraries full of books on how to do it with our mental ability and our denominational policies and our our methods, we've got all kinds of great human uh, ways to do ministry. But the truth is that if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church, a lot of us, maybe 95% of churches in this country, wouldn't even know the difference. 
because we've been relying on our own ability. Folks, in this moment in history, I hope you know that what we've gone through this last 14 months has proven to you that America is in a desperate place. And, you know, simple status quo by the book ministry methods aren't going to cut it anymore. What's going to change America is the same thing that changed us in the Great Awakening in the 1700s or the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s or the Azusa Street Revival in 1906 or the charismatic movement of the 1960s. There have been moments in history when Jesus graciously re-poured. He, he gave us a renewal. He gave us a double portion of his anointing again. And he is so gracious and merciful to do that for his people. We need his power now more than ever. Now we're here it's May the 23rd, right? May the 23rd on the church calendar, 2021, it says that that's the day of Pentecost on the church calendar. And I love the day of Pentecost. I love to celebrate it. I love to preach it. I love when I get to come to the Rhodes Church on Pentecost Sunday. But Pentecost is not a day on the calendar. I mean, it is, but it's not supposed to be contained to that Pentecost is a lifestyle of living with the double portion mantle in your life and May 23rd happens to be the date for 2021 but I hope everybody in here can tell me what was the date of Pentecost in your life because for me it was September 5th 1976 I'm dating myself I was 18 years old. I was a clueless Southern Baptist kid. I was saved. I'd had an encounter with Jesus. I didn't really know that much about what the Christian life was all about. I kind of thought maybe it's just, you know, you get saved, you give your life to Jesus, and then you just spend the rest of your life trying to stay saved. <laughs> that was kind of my understanding in my limited 18-year-old mind. But in 1976, I met somebody who introduced me to the fact that there is a second experience in the Christian life that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this woman, a Southern Baptist, by the way, the weirdest Southern Baptist I'd ever met, And she said to me, Lee, there's something more after salvation. You get born again, the Holy Spirit comes into you, but Jesus still wants the Spirit of God to fill you and overflow through your life. And that starts happening when you ask him to fill you and to baptize you in the Spirit. Two different things. And there are so many Christians in this country who have had the first experience. They are born again and they have the Holy Spirit living in them and the Spirit is, is helping them and sustaining them and they, don't, may not, they may not realize that he's 
he's in them and he's there and he's speaking and he's sustaining and he's comforting. And aren't you glad that you have the Spirit of God to be in you and to walk with you through life? But that's not all there is. The Holy Spirit does not want to just stay quietly inside of you. He loves you. He loves abiding in you. And when you're going through hard times, he loves comforting you. And, you know, we love to rest in the quietness of the Spirit's peace and love and joy. But there's this other aspect of our amazing God is that he wants the Spirit in you to become like rivers of living water pouring, gushing out of you in a double portion way to touch the people around you. Now, this is when a lot of people start shutting down. Okay, don't talk to me about what I have to do as far as other people. Because we're good with what we get. We like what he gives us and the benefits we get from the Holy Spirit in our lives. But when it starts coming to the Spirit flowing out of us and touching other people and prophesying to them and praying for them to be healed and moving in the supernatural power of God, that's when we go... Okay, that's Pastor Chad's job. Or that's Blake's job. Let Blake do that. He's kind of loud. Let me show you this verse from 1 Corinthians 14.1. You know, the whole uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, those chapters are all about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And when I first got filled with the Spirit as a Southern Baptist, I started soaking in those verses. And, you know, uh, for me, it was September 5th, 1976. I decided I wanted to pray to be baptized in the Spirit. So I just actually got in my car and drove over to my church. It was First Baptist Church of Avondale Estates, Georgia, in the Atlanta area. And I sat down behind the church at 9 o'clock at night on the volleyball court Nobody was there. I had never in my life even raised my hands to the Lord. Nobody in my church did that. I had never seen anybody have hands laid on them. I'd never seen anybody been prayed for for healing. I'd never seen any Pentecostal expression of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I sat on that step on September 5th. It's a red letter day in my life and I lifted my hands and I said Jesus would you baptize me in the Holy Spirit would you clothe me with power and then I just kind of went like this because <laughs> I didn't know I had read Acts 2 said there was wind and fire <laughs> I didn't know how it would look or feel but on that day, Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit, and the first person I ever heard speak in tongues was me. Come on, somebody. You don't have to have somebody teach you how to do that, and you don't have to go to a Pentecostal church to do that because Jesus wants to pour out his Spirit on every church no matter what kind of label is on it. But after that happened to me, I realized that he wanted to flow through me. And I saw this verse 
In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. That verse is telling you that you do not have permission to just sit there and enjoy the comforts and the blessings of the Spirit of God living in you. He says, I want you to, to earnestly desire that the Spirit be manifested through you to others. Come on. Y'all tell somebody next to you, he's talking to you. Don't just sit there, church. We've got the goods inside of us. We've got the fire inside of us. But you don't just sit there and enjoy the peace and the love and the joy. You ask him, Lord, fill me so full that I can't contain this power and I want to release it to others. And we do that through the manifestation. That's a Bible word, which means that he's going to overflow out of you and people are going to see evidence of the miraculous, supernatural power of God in your life. Do you think the American church needs that? I just want to give you a couple of testimonies of how that has worked with me because I believe the Lord told me that the Rhodes Church, that with all that is going on and the stirring that is happening here and even in these last few months, have you noticed there's a stirring since you've been coming back? Because God's up to something, folks. It's not just about Southern Illinois. He's doing this globally. The church is, is going to start hungering and thirsting and earnestly desiring to see God's power manifest. And it's going to happen through supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of those gifts is the gifts of healing. And let me just declare, I want to say over Southern Illinois, it is time for miracles of healing to break out all over this region. Look at your hands. Jesus has anointed these hands to pray for the sick. But you know what? You don't even have to lay hands on people. Is it okay for me to say that? The most powerful miracle of healing I ever saw in my ministry was in the city of Barranquilla, Colombia. And I was in front of a conference of 500 women. And while I was preaching a message about the woman at the well, I wasn't identifying anybody in the room. I wasn't laying hands on anybody. God wasn't giving me a word of knowledge about anybody at that moment. While I was preaching the sermon, a lady in the very back screamed and got up and ran to the bathroom. And I thought, well, when you gotta go. <laughs> but then she ran back in and she ran down here and she sat down by my uh, colleague, Nori, who was sitting on the front row and started whispering to her. And then Nori looked at me and I'm, I'm in the middle of a sermon. And she looks at me and says, and I'm like, okay, let's, something's going on. And she, Nori came up to me and she explained to me that this lady who was sitting in the back, this woman 12 years before that had been gang raped by a group of men and she had been so severely, uh, 
you know, damaged by that experience that she, for all these years, she has had horrible pain in urination. But while she was sitting in the back of the meeting during the sermon, a warmth came all through her body, and then she ran to the restroom, and she, and she urinated for the first time in 12 years without any pain. Just want to give you a taste of what he wants to do here. Amen. He wants these hands all over this room taking the healing of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to the people all around this region. The next gift of the Spirit that has operated through my life in a, in a uh, more consistent way is the word of knowledge. And that's when God gives you some information. You may not even know who it's for. It's just like when, the, when this brother came up today and he said, I felt this heaviness and I know there's somebody here who has this, they're, they're under anxiety, they're under a spirit of heaviness, they need to let go. And, and that's an example of the word of knowledge. And whoever that was for needs to respond. Sometimes God doesn't want to put the spotlight on you and embarrass you in front of people, but he wants you to know that he knows what's going on in your life. And so I was in a conference, again, it was a women's conference, I do a lot of those, and I was in California, in Northern California, speaking to this large group, and God gave me a word of knowledge, and he says, there's a lady in this room that you have a spirit of barrenness on your life, you've not been able to have kids, you're very discouraged about that, and Jesus wants to break that spirit of barrenness off of your life today. Well, there was a lady, again, she was in the back, I don't know what it is about the back, She was in the back and she did not want to come to the front because she had had three miscarriages and she was very depressed about it. Thankfully, her mother was there, so her mother just drags her (laughs) to the front. And they're there and the girl is crying and the mom is excited and and so I, I didn't know their story. I just knew that she was the person that I was speaking to. And so all I did was very gently lay my head on her head. I mean, lay my hand on her head. And I just declared that the spirit of brokenness, spirit of barrenness was broken off of her life. Well, I went back to that church a year later. The pastor picked me up and he said, oh, by the way, there's a lady in my church who really wants to meet you. Because you were in the conference last year, and after you prayed for her and broke a spirit of barrenness, she went home, and within three weeks, she was pregnant, and they have just had a little baby girl, and they want you to meet her and take a picture with her. And that is little Esperanza. I'm wanting everybody to just get used to the idea of miracles, okay? Because, folks, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. Don't go out until you get the miracle power. You're not going to just do this by just giving people Bible verses. Yeah, that's important. They need to hear the gospel. But I'm going to confirm it with signs and wonders. And that was not just for the New Testament church. Hello? We need the miracles 
in 2021. And we need them in Southern Illinois. One more, I want to just share a testimony. And this one might scare a few people because there's not everybody, you know, we're supposed to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but usually people are not jumping up and down asking for me to pray for them for have, to have the gift to cast out demons. <laughs> but when I was in, on one of my India trips, you can go ahead and put that, uh, that discernment of spirits slide up there. I was in India, and I had a young man traveling with me named Andy, and we had gone to northern India, and we were ministering in a hotel, and uh, it's a very, very largely Hindu area, of course. Uh, There was a church, and we were ministering to the church, but a lot of visitors came that day, a lot of people from the Hindu background. And so uh, Andy and I were kind of tag-teaming that morning, and both of us preached and then we gave an altar call and a lot of people came down to give their hearts to Jesus for the first time and we were rejoicing over that and but then I noticed that there was a lady coming down from the from the back (laughs) no offense to all of you in the back and she was coming down the uh, aisle between the seats and as she got closer and closer to the altar she began to sort of change. So she started kind of getting these weird, contorted, uh, muscular, you know, her arms were kind of going like this, and, and then her eyes started rolling back in her head, and then her tongue, as she's slowly walking down, her tongue was like coming out of her mouth, and it was coming out farther and farther and farther, and it was kind of going like this, And uh, I don't know, I haven't seen that many horror movies, but (laughs) it was kind of creepy. And I'm looking at Andy, and he's looking at me, and we're looking at the lady here, and she's getting closer to the front, and I knew exactly what Andy was thinking. Because we've got this group of new converts, and we've got this snake lady, (laughs) and... I know that Andy's thinking, one of us has got to pray for the new believers and somebody's going to have to take care of that. And then Andy goes, I'll pray for the new believers. Thanks. So I grabbed one of my team members and we went over to this woman. Uh, She was obviously you know, under the influence of something dark. Uh, we took her out. We did not do this in front of everybody else. Hello, that's a little lesson for us. We went to the back. We got in a private place, and we uh, had uh, help translation and so forth. We find out that this lady is a Hindu witch. She's been putting curses on people for a long time, for, kind of for a living. And so this lady wanted to know Jesus. She wanted to give her heart to Jesus, but she's got things inside of her that are holding her back and fighting. And there is a war over this woman's life. And, you know, some of us think, oh, well, you just start screaming at the demon. Well, actually, I was very aware that the lady was very scared. These things were scaring her. They were tormenting her and they were scaring us. But we were in faith. And so we uh, ministered to her. 
took about 15 minutes for everything to clear out. But first of all, I prayed with her to know Jesus and she accepted Jesus. And then one by one, it was like everything began to leave. And before we were done, her tongue went back in her mouth. Her eyes went back to normal. She was relaxed and she had the biggest smile on her face and she was free. Yeah. Now, do we have any demon-possessed people in Southern Illinois? Do we have some people who are oppressed and possessed and who need a spiritual breakthrough in their lives? Folks, you're not going to use a book to set that person free. Jesus said, I'll give you the power to cast out demons. I hope everybody in here If you're a born-again Christian, I hope that you have, that you earnestly desire more of the power of God in your life because it is not just Pastor Chad's job. It is not just uh, Pastor Kevin's job in Mount Carmel. It's not just our paid clergy's job to do the work of this. I know you know this, Rhodes Church, but God said to me while I was here, staying in your new guest house over here, by the way, he said, I'm taking the Rhodes Church to a whole nother level. And when I got up this morning and walked outside on the porch, this is what I saw in the spirit. I saw that school over there and the parking lot was full but I knew that it was not for school. I knew that there was people over there that had something to do with here. I don't know what that's about because you only have so many chairs in this place. I don't know what that means. All I know is folks, we are getting ready to go through a very interesting, amazing, marvelous time in human history. God has circled something on his calendar and we are getting ready to step into I believe what's going to be the greatest move of the Holy Spirit in human history and it's going to be a global thing but he's not leaving Southern Illinois out of it but if we're going to experience it I hope your passion is that like Elisha you want to be on the front seat of it and you want to chase it down and you earnestly desire the Spirit of God to use you and to fill you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.